Set in a Brisbane karaoke bar in the 80s, Alethea Beetson's newest work, Queen City, is definitely not a musical. Instead, it's more like a play with some original music. Alethea's work often explores societal issues, cultural heritage, and colonisation. And Queen City is no different. I spoke to her about how a residency at a museum inspired the show. But first, Alethea explains just what Queen City is about. Queen City is a dynamic story that's set in the nostalgic 80s at Always Skating Karaoke Bar. And it's about a group of blackfellas who live and work in that place, having to save Always from being torn down by the colony. And I suppose the way that that happens, one of the actors in the play describes it best. It's sort of Marbo meets Hot Tub Time Machine. There's quite a flip on the 80s science fiction comedy genre. So they enter into other dimensions and other worlds and other time frames to save what is rightfully theirs. When I first heard about the show, I had... um, Immediately, things like Andrew Lloyd Webber's Starlight Express sprung to mind, Xanadu starring Olivia Newton-John. I was thinking musicals and roller skates. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is not a musical. Um, no, the characters make that very clear. It's, very um, clear. <laughs> it's a play with some music in it. Mm. No, um, there's definitely not as many songs as there would be in a musical. So it's set at a karaoke bar and... Karaoke helps narrate the story with two characters called the Song Keepers who have their own journey to go on. And then we have an original soundtrack that's being released as part of Queen City and that has been composed by Indigenous musicians Jindu Pedro Lori and with some support from Lockie Little. And we're really excited to have a pretty, you know, there's a lot of glam rock in there. I think Jindu's been listening, according to um, Paula, who lived in the 80s, all the good bands. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of, a lot of glam, glam rock, a little bit of pop, and I think um, they've been living a bit of a musician's dream where I was like, can you just make some 80s songs? And they've been living their best lives. Well, I was curious about what, what your reference points for, because mine, mine are, I think, quite out there. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, what were yours? In terms of music, it was really quite an interesting trajectory because I don't know whether it was just, you know, Jindu coming from rock bands, whether we really lent into Def Leppard and a lot of the glam rock bands of the 80s and then also moving into, you know, Run DMC definitely influenced one of the tracks and... You know, Joan Jett, Pat Benatar, Whitney Houston in in terms of Whitney in the like pop kind of reference. But it was really interesting because in one of my other jobs, I was doing a bit of a like throwback playlist and trying to, you know, use this particular platform to give light to Indigenous songs that might not have gotten as much airtime the first time around. And so when we were going right for Queen City, we want to do this Black Bruce Springsteen track. (laughs) Um, We... Like, you know, I was happening to work on this other playlist and came across Pretty Bird Tree and we were like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is basically Blackberry Strings, Springsteen. So we went on this journey of reclamation, but also just because I work in the music industry and so does Lockie and, and Ginger as well. 
being able to rediscover black artists and how much they, you know, not surprisingly to us, just already were writing these iconic songs. And so we were able to really bring black musicians in as influences, which was really cool and a really lovely part of that reclamation within art making. I was thinking about, you know, I I got the chance to read the script ahead of you guys opening in Brisbane. And the Always Was Karaoke Bar and Skate Rink is one of the only places in town where truth can can be rewritten into the past. And we learn pretty early about the fact that it's going to be turned into a museum. On a way, I've spoken to a lot of people about the way institutional knowledge and cultural knowledge kind of but up against each other. What drew you to that subject? I developed the work whilst I had a residency at the Museum of Brisbane and I had previously worked at the Queensland Museum. So I was living within that space of um, institutional knowledge and whose stories were deemed more important. And at the Museum of Brisbane, it was really interesting the past there in particular had this narrative erasure issue. It wasn't like going back into the state institutions and seeing, you know, stolen objects, artefacts, cultural objects en masse. It was the way in which Indigenous people were erased and put to the side within a social history narrative. And so in forming Queen City, we decided to take a methodology where we did to white history, what was done to black history, and we've kind of made it all up and kept the black (laughs) history true to what the energy and the political themes are at the time and also now. How do you think the characters' names, um, you know, being things like Truth and Grace and Victor, is building on that idea? Well, Victor's our token white guy and that's literally (laughs) his character description and it was the idea of looking at, you know, the Victor is the one who writes history and because this story is about imagining a world where stories are true and there's truth-telling within that but also imagining the world that we perhaps want to live in, that became really important to kind of unpack that and then Truth, you know, who is the matriarch who runs always, her role is so vital because she's the one that's kind of navigating the truth within the story, but also picking and choosing when truths can be told because of the way that the colony has impacted mob and when it, you know, when we tell those truths to one another, the best way to do that. Mm. Well, because earlier this year, I know that as part of Digi Youth Arts, you also mm-hmm. facilitated a production called Cooked. Yes. Which was described as a crowdsourced Indigenous play. Were there any kind of big lessons you took from that experience into this production? Absolutely. I think it's reflecting at the start of the year even, we were looking at the timeline because a number of us work across Digi Youth Arts and Black Social and we were like, okay, so Cook feels like it's going to blow the stage up (laughs) and then we come back and we kind of reimagine a world And so that was just a really interesting kind of trajectory as an artist to have in that space and particularly working with younger people and then working with um, actors who have been working professionally for longer. And I suppose the lessons learnt were because of, I suppose, COVID in a way, it had been a while since I'd been inside a large institution 
and I'd worked in the so-called cultural precinct that's in in Mianjin for some time where, you know, we have our performing arts centre, our museums and our galleries. And it was like, oh, that's right, these institutions, you know, they have that colonial kind of process embedded within them and there's great people inside the institutions trying to unravel that the best that they can. But it was this reminder of, oh, we're going into this space and um, the value of knowledge is kind of treated differently compared to perhaps, you know, the mob who are on stage. So we've been able to kind of create a process for Queen City where we're like, okay, how do we flip that and make sure that when we're going into, you know, this particular cultural institution, the value for us is whose country we are on and the value for us isn't so much the grandeur of a performing arts centre, as grateful as we are, but it's the fact that we're continuing storytelling on lands that have always had storytelling long before, you know, the tall ship came and and theatre has existed in many ways for a very long time on this continent. It's a funny balance. I think <laughs> I think a lot of the time when I'm talking to people about theatre, I get really sort of caught up in like, I want to talk themes and I want to talk process. And it doesn't always explain or kind of communicate the fact that the show we're discussing is like exceptionally funny, really fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is like, I, th- I was reading... Just even just the first page, I think it was. Yes. <laughs> lost it to the point where, like, someone was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> oh, that's all, yeah. That happened in the Brisbane Festival office where people would read the script and laugh out loud. And they're like, "What is going on?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I re- good. That's nice to know that translates." <laughs> I really wanted to steal. I wanted to steal one of the lines, and I thought, "No, I'll wait until the show is out, and then at least I can reference where it came from." <laughs> Love that. <laughs> But yeah, like when when it comes to kind of balancing balancing these like very like big ideas with making it making it a pleasurable experience to sit through, like how do you approach that? I feel like the journey, which is a bit of a roller coaster in Queen City, I mean, it's mostly just really funny and a really good time, but it does touch on you know, the realities of living in the colony, I think that roller coaster just comes from life. Like, because, you know, when you're hanging out with mob, you can be laughing most of the time and then have, you know, a moment of sadness or grief and then you're back into whatever, you know, you're entertained with next. And I think, though, for Queen City, one of the first choices that was made was that it was set in the 80s at a skating bar and karaoke rink because the mob who I've brought together who all live and work in this place, we all have to navigate the colony outside of here. And I was particularly like I work in the music industry and I've made a deliberate choice to not produce and program in my art form. I like producing and programming and advocating for artists working somewhere else. And I love black music, so that all helps. And to be able to kind of come into a space and go, right, we are just going to have the most fun uh, that we can possibly have as a job for, you know, however long, you know, the five, six-week rehearsal period as well as all the creative developments just felt like a really nice moment of healing, being able to live in that little bubble with each other and have as much fun. And that was kind of the energy behind it and then that's really translated on stage 
So we're just really excited now. We are talking about it yesterday. We did the first play reading um, to kick off rehearsals. We just can't wait to be in a room with an audience that have mob in it. We just can't wait for them to see it and to come in and have a real big party with us. And then I, I was very curious to see that this is part of your doctorate. Um, you're doing a doctorate of creative studies at QUT. Yeah, I just, I finished. I oh, graduated finished. like literally Congrats. two weeks ago. I think it was something like that. <laughs> Do you mind kind of explaining the way in which this, like the way Queen City has fit into your, um, yeah, your doctorate? Yeah, so I was using Queen City, it's practice-driven research. So examining my own practice as a theatre maker or a performance maker and in the early days of Queen City, when we were developing the work, going through a creative development process where um, creatives get together to formulate the story that then helps me as a writer and director create the narrative in full in the script form and then in the vision, I um, wanted to examine how I made work as an Indigenous practitioner. So my research is focused on how insurgents and resurgents are having to fight against the system and carry our stories forward impacts and forms my creative development process. So I was able to create a model or it's really a framework on how I create work. And that framework is different every time based on the different responsibilities and obligations to the work. And as someone who works a lot with Indigenous young people, I wanted those that wanted to, particularly I was working with a lot who were inside institutions like universities trying to study theatre, wanted them to be able to pick up something to create their own framework um, to move forward and create the kind of work that they want to make for their communities and families. What are you hoping people take away from seeing Queen City? I hope Mob feels seen, loved and heard and, you know, it's a beautiful reminder that black love always wins. And I hope non-Indigenous folks enjoy being in a space that's not for them, but they can also come on the journey and reimagine worlds too. Alethea beats in discussing her play Queen City, which debuts at Brisbane Festival. You can catch the show at QPAC on the 21st to the 24th of September. Just head to Brisbane Festival's website for details. That's brisbanefestival.com.au And we'll of course have a link for you on our show page. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.